Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Generally Casual. I am one of your co-hosts, Michael, and joined with me today is... The mic's not going to pick that up, Richard. You're not going to pick... And I'm Corey. (laughs) (laughs) I knew it would break somewhere. Yep. (laughs) And uh, we wanted to pick a kind of fitting episode, considering this is our 13th episode. So we thought we would do... Campfire stories. Uh, and spark, Richard's, spark, spark, spark. Richard's going to get... We're all very excited about this. Uh, Richard's going to get into the definition in a second. But um, One Mississippi. This campfire stories we wanted to do um, just because we thought it would be very interesting and engaging. But also... Some of these stories may or may not necessarily be what you would traditionally consider to be a campfire story, like something you would hear in Scouts, but we wanted to kind of tie in any sort of stories that you would tell that could be kind of spooky or unnerving of some kind. Healthcare system! Which... Ah! Nope. (laughs) (laughs) Which actually lends itself rather fittingly into the definition, because when I was looking at the definition, campfire stories doesn't really have one mm-hmm. because more or less they went into the s- same thing as urban legends, which a lot of urban legends turned into campfire stories mm-hmm. in a molding of different ways or other things like that. So the definition of urban legend is a horrific story or piece of information circulated as though true, especially one purporting to involve someone vaguely related or known t- to the teller. And sounds like cryptids. I knew a guy who knew a guy who saw this one evening. Exactly. Yeah. But uh, I, I think it's very cool, like the whole idea of urban legends or campfire stories, because it's. Uh, I was reading, when I was doing my research for this, a very memorable line where they were saying that um, campfire stories or urban legends are really popular, despite them being scary for some people. Because they're like a form of gossip, right? You're yeah. unearthing something that's not supposed to be out in the open, right? So it's... You scroll down. So funnily enough, I actually have a little bit something on that as well. Because mm-hmm. one of the articles that I read... Mm-hmm. Oh, too far. Too far. Up. Ra- up nope. Down. Nope. Up. up right there. Okay. <laughs> So, in one of the articles that I read, which was kind of about origins of campfire stories and urban legends, mm-hmm. talked about a group of researchers, and as you can see there, it says, researchers who analyzed more than 220 contemporary legends found that the stories referenced hazards of life far more often than the securities. Mm-hmm. So, it was a very commonplace thing to be like uh, tales of doom or other things like that, as morality things to hey don't do this yeah um and they also found that you're more likely to pass it on if it's scary rather than not scary well it it goes into a whole lot of like the human psyche too right like you are more likely to remember a bad experience than a positive one right much so so uh by telling the story about how old man jenkins walked under a ladder and it collapsed on him you get the whole like Oh yeah! Don't walk under Don't the ladder. Don't walk under ladders. <laughs> well, That's not good. And like a lot of scary movies do the same thing, where like you're like, oh, I don't want to 
be in a car alone ever again because someone's going to be in my backseat. Yeah, or... Or walk down a dark alley. Or, or as most horror movies, let's split up, guys. And then <laughs> Don't it's like... break the party. We're a group of six or seven and you want us to split up in groups of two? That's stupid. Where the jock and the cheater are like, oh, let's go have sex in, the, in that room. And, yeah. then, and then it's like, oh, well, you're going to die then. There's the killer right there. <laughs> you found him. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean, it was a very interesting read. Um, to be more or less that cautionary tales are very big. Uh, oh, uh, on a different thing, mm-hmm. we kind of talked a little bit about it, I think, in other podcasts, but we talk about how uh, failures lead to learning more than successes do. I don't think we've actually covered that exact point. but It's probably being brought up at some yeah, point. Which probably. kind of lends itself to that as well. Yeah, but so. uh, being... The episode that they, this is, we wanted to kind of get back into the spooky side of things. True. It's, it, you know, that kind of season's coming along. The pumpkin spice lattes are coming out. Those are spooky. The pumpkins are arising from the ground. Those are also spooky. They're being porched. <laughs> so we wanted to tell a few creepy stories. Yeah. And right before we get into that. Yeah. Right before we get into that. Oh. It's just interesting to know that because... I went through scouts and there's a lot of campfire stories is if you're listening to this and I'm going to say this at the end too, and you have a campfire story that's not from America, please drop it down because we don't really have any research directly on this that I know about unless one of you is going to surprise me during this episode. But I could also imagine that campfire stories are really popular here because the wild West was a huge thing and the boring times where you're just sitting around campfire, literally to stay warm and besides having gossip, the other thing you would do is tell stories to keep yourself entertained by other people. And if you're not telling a, you know, this happened to me, my brother was shot, ah, um, then you'd be telling a story that's scary and a lot of ghost stories kind of circulate. But thinking about other cultures is like the Wild West really wasn't a lot of other places <laughs> in the world. Well, you also got to think about it this way. Culturally, right, um, America kind of almost had to do a reset. Because they went on their own, and then Britain continued technologically for a little bit, so they did printed paper and other things like that. Versus America, as they migrated west, they almost went down in technology, because the further you went out, the less civilized it was. So then it was back to verbal communication was a big form of spreading news and other things like that. Because otherwise it was via train, which was still being built at the time, or via, you know, just telegraph or other things like that and obviously then you have to go someplace in order to communicate so people still there was no centralized hub once you started going further and further west also a massive difference but also similar to australia is that it's a wide stretch of land yeah um just like exactly what the train thing is like i'm imagining if you're in england and you need to ride a horse you know it's not going to take you weeks upon weeks upon weeks to get across your country <laughs> true like i imagine that was australia for the united states Possibly Russia might have some cool campfire stories as they yeah. adventure across the cold, cold Arctic. <laughs> Baba Yaga. <laughs> Baba Yaga. Um, and, so, and, and also looking at other cultures, because I was looking up you know, Japanese, I was looking up English, because I was like, oh, who would have campfire stories? It's those, those are more ghost stories. Mm-hmm. Those are just like, this is a spooky story about the haunting of that castle. And so I would love to hear other people's actual campfire stories that are probably more like just stories passed around than this is where this comes from. 
And this is exactly like the story that, you know, or the incident that triggered it. Because I think that's a lot more ghost stories than campfire stories. Yes. Campfire stories just feels like some really inventive author was like, oh, I got this story. But it's only like 10 paragraphs long. (laughs) One night very similar to this night. Exactly. But not quite like tonight. The hash slinging slash. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Okay, so let's let's get into uh let's get into Richard's story because he's starting us off. Oh, okay. So um my story as when I was told it when I was younger, it was called Drip Drip Drip, but apparently when I looked it up, the the official title of it was called uh, Humans Can Lick Too. Yeah. But also there's like three or four other like different Doggy names. Lick or yeah, something. Yeah, Doggy Lick is another one. The licking hand is the other one, stuff like that. But anyway, to get into this, and I'm sure I'm going to butcher the spookiness aspect of it. But you better be spooky. That's <laughs> not going to happen. So, so. <laughs> A young girl often had to spend time alone at home at night. As her parents worked late, they bought her a dog to keep her company and protect her. One night, the girl awakened to a distant sound of dripping. Drip, drip, drip. Half awake, she checked the kitchen faucets but gives up and returns to bed, receiving a lick on the hand from her loyal dog in comfort. Drip, drip, drip. Again, she's roused from slumber by the sound, feels the reassuring lick, and gives up and falls back asleep. Drip, drip, drip. She awakens a third time, and this time she hops out of bed Determined to locate the source of the incessant noise and heads for the bathroom. She flips on the light and screams. Her beloved dog is hanging from the shower, nozzle with its throat cut, blood dripping into the tub. Horrified, she looks at the bathroom wall, where written in her dog's blood are the words, Humans can lick too. So clearly the dog didn't like that, because we probably heard some barking. We'll check the recording after just to make sure, but... Um, as I already said, the, the story is known by a couple different variations on it. Um, and through what I actually found, um, about the story is it kind of actually evolved out of the dog thing. There's actually a bunch of different motifs, but the, there's two supposed originations of the story. Mm -hmm. Uh, one was from, uh, this 1919 story called the diary of Mr. Pointer, where basically it talks about. Um, this guy who was absolutely stroking his dog, petting, um, as he thinks, while reading an old manuscript about the account of a sinister death of a young student who is obsessed with his hair. And then it turns out that the thing he's petting is not his dog. And so he like runs out of the room and chases it. Mm-hmm. But there's actually an older one, which was from like a diary of a Britishman in 1871 where it, it was discussing, like, party banter, where the guy basically talks, like, he, he's explaining story, and he says, oh, yeah, my wife said, I'm sure there's a robber under the bed. I hear him moving. Do get up and see. And the man replied, oh, it's only the dog. I just put my hand out, and he licked it. And the next morning, all the jewelry and other effects had disappeared. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I find it really interesting, because I've actually heard a version of that and I think it was toned down for kids because obviously it's a little bit traumatizing. Yeah, the dog the, part. Yeah, the like 
yeah, dog being dead and yeah. ridden in blood in the mirror. Like the version that I had heard essentially um, was she hears noises outside. She hears tapping on the window and scratching. She gets up in the night, um, doesn't feel anything. And like in your version, uh, she had a dog to help comfort her when her parents were away. Mm-hmm. Um, so she puts her hand down to feel the dog lick her hand to comfort her as the dog normally does because it's a companion animal. And then she's like, oh, okay, cool. She does this multiple times throughout the night. And then the next morning she wakes up, goes downstairs, and she sees the dogs outside. Uh, see, It was the dog scratching at see, the window. Funnily enough, actually one of the biggest um, changes up on this story actually had to do with um, uh, college. So it was like a roommate story, mm-hmm. and it's called The Death of the Roommate, which is virtually the same exact story. But that story basically has two roommates that live together. Um, one of them leaves um, for an, some amount of time and then comes back and the lights are off. And the roommate says, oh, I don't want to wake my roommate. Clearly they're sleeping. They go to sleep and then they wake up the next morning. See, the, the roommate's been dead the whole time, and on the, the wall is actually written, aren't you glad that you didn't turn on the lights? Oh, jeez. Yeah. Jesus. And that's, like, that's actually the more adult version of that story. Yeah. So, and it's, it's that's supposed to be the, uh, the cautionary tale aspect of it, not only to, like, hey, you should probably double check stuff. Yeah. But make sure your surroundings, your, your observant of your surroundings. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was vastly interesting to kind of see how this story and its roots came from so long ago but has evolved into like four or five different stories that more or less are the same similar morals people have been keeping their limbs tucked under the blanket for a long time <laughs> <laughs> Pull the yeah. your face. it can't hurt you if my limbs are covered <laughs> yeah so yeah yeah okay so we're gonna get into going from that one into a the the most classic story and this one is called Hookman. Last summer, a girl who lives near here was getting ready to go out for the evening. Now, okay, first line. Uh, sorry to break the uh, the spookiness. Always, this story is told like it happened like a mile away. So yeah, yeah so <laughs> and like most campfire stories, like like the really good ones are like, oh yeah, this happened, you know, down in South Lake. <laughs> <laughs> it happened actually a month ago. I heard about it, guys. It happened down the street from us. That really obscure landmark that's only in this town, it happened there. Yeah. <laughs> it happened on a full moon, just like tonight. And uh, also this story involves something that I, I feel like doesn't happen anymore, but like like Lover's Lane style, or like Lover's Hill, or yeah. Kissing Point, or something like that. So I'm going to get back rock. into it. <laughs> Not, not, not Australia is different. <laughs> nothing like Death Corner or <laughs> you will be murdered here. <laughs> Don't come out here after six p.m. <laughs> Park. Okay, right back into it. Last summer, a girl who lives near here was getting ready to go out for the evening when she heard a strange report on the radio. The reporter said a maniac, mass murderer, had escaped from a nearby prison. Watch out, they said. For a man with a hook for a hand. He was known to be crazy and dangerous. And the police asked for everyone's help in reporting anything out of the ordinary. The girl thought it was strange, but wasn't too worried. 
She was too excited about the evening ahead. Her boyfriend was coming over to get her so they could go out to a movie. A few minutes later, he pulled up in his car, and she bounded out the front door to meet him and start their evening of fun. On the way to the movie theater, as they drove down the dark, twisting road, they heard a thump on the passenger side of the car, and then a rattle near the front tire. The girl and her boyfriend were startled. I don't think that I hit anything, he said, and I wonder what noise that, that noise could have been. The boyfriend was worried that something was wrong with the car. Of course. <laughs> he wanted to pull over to check things out, but the girl was worried that they were going to be late for the movie. She tried to talk him out of stopping. They started to argue as he parked on the side of the road. She begged him to keep just driving. As they sat there, him explaining that he'd only be a minute, they heard another thump on the side of the car. That's strange, the boyfriend said. We're not even moving. The girl began to feel nervous. She asked again if they could just go to the movie. Now as much, because she was scared of the strange noises on the dark, deserted road as anything else. Her boyfriend again said he'd just be a minute. And just as he started to get out of the car, they heard another thump and a long screeching sound like metal scraping on metal. The girl and her boyfriend looked at each other, and without a word, he put the car in drive and hit the gas. They made the rest of the drive to the movie theater in record time, sitting silently, waiting. When they got to the theater, the girl had started to feel a bit foolish for getting spooked over some silly noises. I'm sorry, she said to her boyfriend. I don't know what I was so upset about. He forgave her, and then they got out of the car, laughing at their silly fight, until the girl closed her door. One look, and she was frozen in fear, terrified, as she saw the long scrape on the passenger side of the car leading to a metal hook hand still lodged in the handle of the car door. The girl ran straight inside and called the police, but after weeks of combing the woods, they never found the hook-handed killer. They say he still wanders around these parts, and people have even seen a man with a hook hand stalking through the woods late at night. And then someone would go, ah, and pull out like, like they would have their arm like hidden in their sleeve and be like, ah. <laughs> so funnily enough, I've heard the end of that two different ways. I've heard it the way that you said it, which basically is more or less a campfire trope where they say, still to this day, you can hear the word blah, blah, blah. Or I've heard it actually just stop at the, uh. At the part where you said the metal hook still lodged in the handle of the door, and yeah. that's when the jump scare happens. Yeah, yeah. Because then they're like, "Whoa, I have a hook of her hand." And I think I think the the reason to wrap it up the way it is in that story is just be like, just leave every, everybody with a big spooky vibe, yeah. and like make people not sleep at night and stuff. But the the reason why I really like, oh, look at that giant butt. Uh, <laughs> 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 a point of the sound waves. Double people. entendre. <laughs> Um, the reason why I really like that story is because it's, it's the most classic campfire story. It's to make people not sleep. It's the spook people at night and it happens like near woods. And, (laughs) and usually the stories are be like, what could happen to you? (laughs) Well, what I, I love about that story is I think it's hilarious that there's this guy who has a, a hook for hand, but also 
has replacement hooks apparently because it's, <laughs> he lost it's, it. He left his hook on the car. It's, it's yet gone. He's still being seen with a hook, <laughs> but they can't catch him. Like there's this guy going around buying replacement hook for hand, yeah, like yeah, hook yeah. hands. But they don't know, like, they're not keeping tabs, like, oh, this serial killer. No, you don't know. Maybe he's buying more hooks. No, he he works for a a fishing, (laughs) uh, some kind of fishing company. And so, like, he just makes big fishing hooks. I love that you went that direction with the story. Like, he's clearly finding replacement hooks because he's leaving his hooks all over the dang place. (laughs) Where's he getting the hooks and why is no one suspicious about this? You know what? Maybe that's how they could, they should have found him. Just follow the hooks. Just, he just like leaves them behind like breadcrumbs. So the other thing that this probably actually lends itself to the origin, but I love how the story's written because it's written very fifties. Yeah, 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 very fifties. Yeah. Like, guys, we got to go to the sock hop. Come on, guys, let's drive to the movie theater. Yeah, and that's what. <laughs> so to give quick origins about this, uh, the actual <clears throat> root of this legend is not known. It is because it's... Wow. Um, <laughs> the, the creaking. Um, because it's it's a very vague story uh, that has multiple things that it could have popped up from, but similar similar to like a lot of stories or like scary pasta, which we've talked about before. Creepy pasta, yeah, Creepy yes. pasta. Scary pasta. Ooh, it's scary noodles. <laughs> uh, just like creepy pasta. There's stories that people are making up and then spreading. And this is a perfect class, uh, a classic version of this. Um, uh, we're, we talked about, did we talk about John Harold Brunvind? No, because I was going to mention the other book by a different author. Okay. So that book that you're going to mention right now is one of the other major um, research books mm-hmm. for urban legends and uh, for campfire stories. Yeah. So if you want to mention the title and the author for that. Yeah. So. This story started circulating circulating around teenagers in the 1950s, which is exactly why it's got that. When you take your lover to lover or to, to the movies, or it's a boyfriend or girlfriend, it's not just like. And you were walking around, and then a hook man stabbed you with his 13 hooks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> He's got a whole entire jacket full of hooks. Yeah. Uh, so John Harold Brunvand, I don't know how to say his last name. Um, sure, Brunvand. Um, centered the story around the 1950s and also wrote this book the vanishing hitchhiker american urban legends and their meanings um and this book entails a lot of different little spooky stories uh which possibly have real um real ties or real real world ties yeah Yeah. real origins but are very vague kind of like our cryptids episode where it was like these might exist or they may not. Mm-hmm. There's a picture, maybe. No, there isn't. But there's people who said things. There's not enough evidence. <laughs> yeah, there's not enough evidence to really prove any of these stories existed. Um, and it became really widespread to the 19, uh, 1960s. And then, you know, eventually it, it spreads out to today to being a very basic story. I'm sure back in the day it was probably a little bit more sold with gusto. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Well, it, as, as I already pointed out, because a lot of the... The hangout spots for teens were these in the middle of nowhere places, or it was like drive-in movie theaters, or things where you can be kind of alone by yourself, but not really by yourself. Yeah. yeah. It, was, it was all to kind of uh, disincentivize promiscuous behaviors. Yes. Yeah, and actually, 
um, more recently, a Snopes writer, David Mickelson. I want to say Michelson. Sure. That's my name. He gets a different last name. Mickel- Mickelson. It's got two Ks. Yeah. Mickelson. That's right. Um, speculated that legends have roots in real life lovers' lanes. Uh, and he actually, I didn't know even this existed, but in 1946, there was a Texarkana Moonlight Murders. Which is somebody murdering people who go to lovers' lanes. Well, and technically even like uh, Zodiac killings and Mm, a bunch of other mm -hmm. ones are similar murder styles where literally they're in a lover's lane and then a dude comes up and just shoots people. Stuff like that. Yeah, and more specifically, this happened right before this story started circulating. Mm -hmm. So I thought it was pretty interesting because I've heard the the, the hook-handed story for a long, long time. It's been in like... TV shows that I used to watch when I was a kid. I heard it at Campfire Stories. It was really the the, le- <laughs> the least inventive story you could tell during Campfire of because course. it was like, hey, you remember the story that's been around for 60 years? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, we get it. But it's, I, I think it's one of those stories that really, even if you heard it before, you still get jump scared if the person sells it well. Oh, yeah. Which I think is all about what Campfire Stories. Well, and both um, of the stories that we... We talked about, if you can scroll to the top for me so I can tell about the other book. So the other book that I found was called The Encyclopedia of Urban Legends, which I believe is by the same guy. By the same guy, yeah. yes. <laughs> um, but this was actually released later. The Encyclopedia of Ur- Urban Legends came out in 2011, and then there was actually an update, I think, in 2015. Um, and it actually goes over a bunch of different um, campfire stories, urban legend, scary stories, and kind of tries to come up with origins for most of them. Um, I've actually read a couple of the pages, and it's really interesting because he doesn't exactly tell you the story. What he does is he basically gives you the gist of the story and said, here's similarities between some of these older court cases or you know murder cases or other things like that. And then he also goes into like... Here's places where this story probably came from. So it's it's a really interesting read, and I definitely recommend both of those books. The The first one that Michael talked about, I think, goes more in-depth in terms of, of individual urban legends versus the one that I mentioned actually just goes over a whole bunch of them because he covers like 150 to 200 different urban legends Wow! in, in the one book. That's a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So it's it's very interesting and cool. Yeah. We have one more book, but we'll we'll introduce that after Corey's scary story. Yeah. So um when I was doing research for this episode, I was having a bit of difficulty because I really wanted to try and get an Australian campfire story out there. Uh and I was having difficulty trying to find some. Like a lot of the ones that I had heard when I was talking to Richard in particular. We were kind of like, oh, that's just a straight like rip off of an American one. Like <laughs> it, a lot of uh, the creepy stuff when it comes to Australia is our locations because a lot of our dark past, so to say, of uh, Australia is tied to a lot of the fact that we have a lot of convict towns, a lot of prisons like Port Arthur, one of the most fam- famous prisons in the world in Tasmania. Like, it's super haunted because, like, a lot of people died there. And there was a massacre of, like, 50 people. And, like, 
this was back when 50 people was a lot of people. And <laughs> <laughs> I, I can I could just instantly hear a whole bunch of Americans going, that's not a lot of people. But it's, I mean, it was a lot then, of people back was. then. That's exactly what Americans sound like. So I ended up finding one that I thought was interesting um, just because I wanted to do one that I hadn't really heard before and I thought was cool. Uh, before you start? Yes. Uh, what is the title of yours? Uh, it's apparently called The Elevator Oper- Operator, but I have also read it as All Aboard. This like the I don't even know the story, but the first vibe I got was like the Tower of Terror, <laughs> where you you get on a you get on an elevator to the afterlife, basically. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, um, and I think it's a good point for me to say before I get into it, none of us are professional storytellers, except me. Except like definitely not me, <laughs> Michael. He could sell himself, but not me. So I can just sell. bear with me. I saw right. myself on the weekend. Yeah. Right. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Sorry, I met my voice. I met my voice. <laughs> that took a very dark turn. <laughs> so, this is the elevator operator. Ooh. A young woman on her way down to town broke her journey by staying with friends in an old manor house. Her bedroom looked out onto the carriage sweep at the front door. It was a moonlit night, and she found it difficult to sleep. As the clock outside her bedroom door struck twelve, she heard the noise of horses' hooves on the gravel outside, and the sound of wheels. She got up and went over to the window to see who could be arriving at that time of night. The moonlight was very bright, and she saw a hearse drive up to the door. It hadn't a coffin in it. Instead, it was crowded with people. The coachman sat up high on the box. As he came opposite the window, he drew up and turned his head. His face terrified her, and he said in a distinct voice, There's room for one more. She drew the curtain, ran back to her bed, and covered her head with the bedclothes. In the morning, she was not quite sure whether it had been a dream, or whether she had really gotten out of bed and seen the hearse. But she was glad to go up to town and leave the old house behind her. She was shopping in a big store which had an elevator in it, an up-to-date thing at that time. She was on the top floor and went to the elevator to go down. It was rather crowded, but as she came up to it, the elevator operator turned his head and said there's room for one more. It was the face of the coachman of the hearse. No, thank you, said the girl. I'll walk down. She turned away. The elevator doors changed, clanged and there was a terrible rush and screaming and shouting, and then a great clatter and thud. The elevator had fallen, and every soul in it was killed. Ooh. Yeah. (laughs) So uh, the reason why I chose this story in particular um, was because I think it ties really well with the tradition of what I consider a campfire story. And Michael kind of mentioned it earlier, but... Campfire stories and ghost stories are similar, but like slightly different. And I think that's purely because a campfire story is normally something that could happen anywhere and could be very familiar to you. It's like not something out of the ordinary. It's kind of almost like watching Final Destination. And you're like, that's ridiculous, but it, <laughs> it could happen. Oh, crap. Yeah, they're very relatable <laughs> stories. Yeah. yeah. Um, so 
apparently uh that story started as a short story in Pall Mall magazine in 1906 written by E.F. Benson the bus conductor and essentially it was very similar but it was a man uh at a bus stop waiting to get on a crowded bus and he turned down the bus driver said no it's too busy um the bus driver says but there's room for one more he's like no i'm good i'll just wait um and then the following night he tries to catch the bus again same bus driver still a crowded bus and then he turns it down again only for the rear end of the bus to get slammed into by another truck and everyone dies oh my god (laughs) dark yeah so I thought it was cool. Yeah, that is a really cool story. <laughs> and spooky. Yeah. <laughs> spooky. Spooky, spooky. Very spooky. I mean, I really like campfire stories sometimes. <laughs> Unless I'm trying to go to bed. Unless you're camping. <laughs> I, I don't like them in terms that they usually make me have restless sleep. But I like them being spoke spoke about in this context when yeah. we we're actually discussing it in a bright not, lit room and not trying to go to sleep yeah yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> um i i wanted to say this as we're as we're out of our three main stories and if you want to scare people there's an excellent book out there called scary stories told in the dark there's actually a movie that came out that kind of highlighted some of them it was and, okay yeah, it was I entertaining. It. I didn't watch it. I like the books. Yeah, uh, the book. The book is quite good. The movie was okay. There's even like there's another one that's like even more scary stories told in the dark. And I want It wasn't a campfire story because it's so short. But one from that book that always like kind of spooked me, which I also just watched the clip of today, and I was like, oh, it's not the same. Um, was one called Red Spot, or it's like the Spider Hive, because um, I think it's been told like two different ways. Uh, where there was like in the scary stories told in the dark, it's called the red spot. And basically a lady who was asleep had a spider come bite her and then go off. And then later it turns into a boil, gets bigger, bigger, bigger. And eventually she's taking a, a, a tub, a bathtub, a bath. Ugh. She's, she's taking, taking a, a bathtub she's outside. She's stealing a bath. <laughs> she's taking a bath and then the boil pops and then a bunch of baby spiders come out. Ugh. And that that story freaked me out. And then I think there was a more kid friendly version with like a lady who had a big hairdo, and then a black widow came and nested in in her hair, and along the same lines without being super freaky because all of the scary stories told in the dark had a very disturbing picture at the beginning of them. Yeah, the and, art in it, is yeah. super creepy. Yeah, basically the red spot was like she has like a tear in her face, and like just spiders are streaming out of her. Face. and i'm like oh the more the kid-friendly one just had like spiders like coming out of this lady's hair and like going all over the place but i was like oh it's not a campfire story but that's ugh. that's <laughs> ugh. ugh. there's another one from there called like the big toe but again it's like <laughs> it, it's just like a nice little scary story i wouldn't there's a difference between those and campfire stories to me because most of those are just a scary story they're not even like ghost stories they're just like ooh. okay just ooh. so any any story where you would just go that's not a campfire story i'm sorry spooky you're not there super spooky spooky story uh did you guys want to talk about the modern campfire stories uh i mean like so essentially um 
campfire stories, I feel like, are slowly becoming more of a thing of the past. Um, and I think that as the internet age is continuing, um, like, more modernized versions of campfire stories are going to be released. And I think one of the common ones today are forums like Reddit's No Sleep forum. Um, and I feel like they're really interesting because they present a new platform um, for, I guess, new campfire stories to be born. Like what Michael mentioned, his campfire story is like a tried and true classic, yeah, right? Very old. But you hear it once, and unless you're out in the wilderness, it probably loses a bit of its yeah. like thematic influence because the next person has to sell it better than yeah sell it better and it comes down to the storyteller well and i as i mentioned before it's based off of the hub so like campfire stories because they were told around the campfire Mm -hmm. would be similar in nature thematically and things like that versus the stuff associated with the internet a lot of the more modernizations have to do with like the really good ones that are that are kind of have a lot of hits and things like that Mm -hmm. have to do with Someone who's sitting at a computer in a very similar situation to what you are reading the story. Yeah. And then they throw you the hook at the end where you're like, ooh, like you just get shivers at the end because you're like, I better look around me right now and see that there's nobody trying to kill me. Yeah. yeah. It's it's all about that like shared sense of intimacy, right? Like in a campfire story, you're all sharing a campfire. You all have that shared intimacy. Mm-hmm. Whereas with something like No Sleep, you're both sitting at a computer potentially yeah. in a dark room. And I wanted to share this story because it reminded me of the hook handed story. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, there's a lot of stories on no sleep and like the one, I think the one we just popped away from was like, like two, three pages long. It was a really long yeah, story. Yeah. I found one that I really, really liked and I <laughs> didn't realize it was as long. So yeah. I don't think we'll do it in this episode. I think we'll <laughs> stick to Michael's. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we might have to dedicate one if uh, this does well to a, a, another episode. If you would like Corey to read a, a very lengthy story <laughs> scarily to you. Or not. <laughs> he can record his own little Corey's Corner and then just spend 15 minutes reading the story. <laughs> Corey's Creepy Corner. Okay, so this one is called, it's uh, posted by you slash rumcake six years ago. It's called, I found an open Wi-Fi connection. And what I like about this, first of all, is I'm pretty sure, yeah, they're camping. So that's why I actually like this one, because it's still, it follows the our, our merged themes. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's new, I mean, Creepypasta is a perfect example of like new age scary mm-hmm. stories. Hey, but this one's still set in the, hey, I went camping. Yeah, it, it could happen to anyone. Also, the start, I went camping and brought my laptop. Question mark? What? <laughs> Glamping, maybe? Glamping? Okay, so I found an open Wi-Fi connection. They didn't believe me when I told them there was an open wireless network in range, aptly named Free Wi-Fi. It was rather slow, but that's not the problem. You see, we were camping out in the middle of nowhere. Tar Hollow Forest for any fellow Ohioans out there. Ohioans. Ohioans. Sounds like an ancient mythical beast. Yeah. Ohioan. Um, <laughs> we parked the truck about a mile down the trail, and from there it was a 15-minute drive to the only ramp on the highway. We were far removed from civilization, to say the least. 
After we were all done with checking in on Facebook and replying to Snapchats, this is actually, yeah, six years ago, my friends and I made a game of finding the source of the signal. Marco and Sean went into one direction. Mike and I went the other. Oh my God, Mike. Oh no. (laughs) Three minutes later, we were all back at the campsite. The signal dropped off after 185 paces in the direction I went, and roughly 250 in the opposite. We agreed with Sean's proposal to go in the third direction, so to approximately triangulate the whereabouts of the source. Marco counted the steps. Mike kept an eye on the signal indicator. Sean and I looked for anything that remotely resembled a router. About 100 feet in, Mike told Marco to stop counting. The signal was at full strength. I looked around for flashing LEDs or running cables or anything that lit up. Marco suggested it could be a pocket Wi-Fi hotspot that another camper had left behind, though that was unlikely since there was no 3G, 3G coverage out there. But we found nothing. We gave up the search, made way back to the campsite, and that's when the Wi-Fi signal disappeared. The sun was setting, and it was starting to fog up. A little spooked, we agreed we would pack our stuff and hike back to the truck. When we got back, we realized that we had been robbed. Our bags were torn open, our food supplies were missing, and our tents were toppled. What immediately seemed odd was to me that the thieves hadn't taken our laptops or cameras. Upon closer inspections, all they took were the food and beverages, and in my opinion, that was the scary part. Needless to say, we crammed whatever we could into our torn-up bags and made a dash for the truck. It wasn't until we got onto the truck that Mike told us to check our phones. The Wi-Fi signal was at full strength again. A chill ran down my spine when I saw the name of the connection. Run, boys, run. Ugh. Ugh. No, I'm good. Wow. <laughs> yeah, when I was read that, I was like, oh, this is just like the hook handed man. It's like it's just like, like the same story. Yeah. <laughs> Lingering. Yeah. I feel like you almost need to read that in a redneck like voice at the yeah. end. Run boys, run! <laughs> run boys. <laughs> yeah, and I thought I thought that Reddit post like really aptly fit what a campfire story would be because it is very much that's a, con- a modern day campfire story because mm-hmm. you know you're involving <laughs> Snapchat and Facebook and, and a laptop again in the middle of the woods. Yeah, and he in the story it says in the middle a far or it was like far removed from civilization. Why you got you know why you got, <laughs> why you check for Wi Fi? <laughs> <laughs> Let alone like wouldn't an iPad be better in that situation than a laptop? Mm. I know, I know plenty of people who download stuff to their laptops and stuff like that. Yeah. So that's, you know. But I mean, that's... Maybe it. they just wanted to watch a movie. They had a DVD player. This was six years ago. Yeah. So they're trying to watch their Blu-ray on their laptop. And then, you know, they're like, oh, Wi-Fi. I wonder what this is. And that's... Uh, it's kind of believable. Yeah. And that story is very spooky. I mean... Why do they... Oh. <laughs> <laughs> laptops and the, that's, and the, yeah that's weird. the scary spot for richard that's, is that's they brought a laptop <laughs> they're, they're, they're stealing your food and water but they're intelligent enough to change wi-fi names and turn it off and on to be fair we don't know yeah that's a very those people are whoever whoever was doing that in the middle of nowhere is like oh well no the the scary part is the fact that when it changes to run boys run the signal strength is at full despite them oh, drive, then, already yeah. driving away 
That's what sent chills down my spine. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty creepy. I don't like it. I like that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, and, and again, perfect, perfect campfire story for today because it's something that's plausible. And you could, if you were, if you were uh, clever enough, not intelligent enough, clever enough, you could set up the same thing and trick your friends. Very much so. With the same, like, pocket, pocket hotspot. Your friends want to connect to it. It's free Wi-Fi. You put no password on it, and then throughout the night you tell the story, and then you change the <laughs> you change the Wi-Fi. <laughs> they all check their phones. Oh no! <laughs> yeah, that iPhones with auto connect would be terrible for that because it would literally just pop up saying, "Do you want to connect to this Wi-Fi?" and it say, "Run, boys, run." <laughs> you want to connect to Run, boys, one? No. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, those are our campfire stories. Uh, we enjoyed kind of looking them up and finding them for you because campfire stories are just fun in general and if you've got any please let us know uh on our discord on instagram twitter wherever you can find us at at generally casual at generally casual and our discord link will be in our description yeah and uh let us know too if you like the different direction that we took this episode because we're still trying to experiment with different uh formats and genres we're only 13 we can't drink yet and um, also to kind of encourage some listenership, because our percentage has changed a little bit more heavily in favor of Apple Podcasts, for those Apple users, if they don't mind hitting the subscribe button and giving us a five-star review, that would actually help us kind of branch out a little bit. That's kind of how Apple's algorithm works. So that would be much appreciated as well. Yeah, and let us know what you like, what you dislike, and what we can improve on. We're always looking for you know new comments and ways to explore. Every episode's been really different, and... Like we said, we're generally casual. We're looking for every topic imaginable. Maybe, and we're trying to have fun with it. Yeah. And no. like I was talking about, you know, if you've got a cultural story, a cultural ghost story or campfire story that we've never heard of, please let us know. And as we uh, move slowly into October, I think uh, things are going to get a little weird and, and a little bit more on the creepy side. So we'll keep things rolling in this direction. Yeah. <sighs> <sighs> Considering where we live, everywhere is orange and spooky right now. Yeah, <laughs> we live. We it's live like in the Silent apocalypse Hill. outside. Oh wait, that was it's last Silent episode. Hill outside. <laughs> uh, well, thank you everybody for listening. Uh, this has been another great episode with Michael, Richard, and Corey. And as I always try to think of a new thing, stay scary.